Hello, this is Matt Hale with Art Monthly Talk Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. This programme is based on the December-January issue number 352 of Art Monthly. It's a double-month issue, and there will be another programme coming out of the same issue. But this programme is with Colin Perry, who's a regular writer for Art Monthly, and Colin is a writer and critic, as described at the bottom of his feature, which is what we're going to be discussing today. Hello, Colin. Hello. Um, the feature is called, in the magazine, TV Makeover, and the little running header is, says, Colin Perry, on the vexed relationship between art and TV. Now, I'm just going to quickly read the first paragraph of the piece, just to get things going, because it's a, actually a question. Not that it needs an answer, but it might just get us flowing. Colin's written, Television has once more become a fashionable subject within artistic practice and discourse. But how do the two forms of image production, that's art and television, relate to one another? Is the relationship one way or reciprocal? Does television always come out on top? Colin, obviously you answer that question or make a valid attempt to do so in your feature. How do you begin your piece? Um, well, I begin the piece by trying to define a few different approaches um, that artists have made to um, subject to television, which is, um, as that little strapline says, they're a vexed, quite a vexed relationship yeah. for various reasons. Um, but it might be worth first starting um, by a brief description of, of in what ways and how it's a fashionable subject again in art. Yeah, because you do say it has become fashionable again, yeah. which I was interested to, to hear. I'm not sure I exactly have the answer, but I think there's a, a whole load of different things going on. And one of the key things, I think, is the sense that um, television has ended in some way or its um, power has waned in the face of the internet. Um, and so there's a lot of approaches to television as if we're looking back at something that's past, an era that's past. You mean as if television itself is possibly a historic yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Medium, oh. and you can look at it as, as something that um, is separate from now and has no necessarily no major influence on now. Um, and there's been a, a few big exhibitions um, in 2010, for instance. There was a big one in MACBA in Barcelona um, and one in Vienna as well, um, both big museum shows um, looking at how artists have approached television and, and various um, problems involved with that. But sort of historical, do they tend to be? Because but, yeah, yeah, they tend to, tend to be quite historical, and that's I guess that museum side is is almost like the the serious side of it. Um, they try and often try and bring up some discourse, but there's um, lots of other attempts, especially in art, and um, to to re to approach um, television again. Um, so. Yeah, there's a myriad of different kind of approaches against television. Um, there's Cu lots currently? Currently, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of artists who are dealing with this. Um, yeah. You know, you have, like, Lucky PDF, um, which came out of the Auto Italia. Um, this is in, that's in yeah, London. They were yeah, a freeze, weren't they? Yeah, South London collectives, groups, um, who make... Um, like television programs they're quite high production in fact um programs which they broadcast on their websites um i use the word broadcast there very uh, loosely because i don't think it is broadcasting no because that's um, like what is broadcasting i mean it's yeah well that's that's a, a interesting thing to define is it by numbers define. of people who what audience figures or is it something else i wonder 
Well, I, yeah, I, I think it's kind of like um, you can talk about broadcasting and you can talk about narrowcasting. And narrowcasting would be to a smaller audience and broadcasting would be to a very wide audience, um, often people who don't haven't sought out that information. So that's quite a gotcha. Yeah, a yeah. But in your piece, you you do talk about the, the the sort of starting somewhere in in the in the last over the last fifty years, don't you? And you you define the, the kind of progress that went on. Um, the first one I'm, I was interested. In, you, you you mentioned Marxism, the Marxist inflected critique. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I talk about three basic types of artistic approaches to television. The first, and I come up with my own labels for them um, which you can take or leave depending on whether you find them useful but um, the first one would be um, autonomism um, the second would be parasitism and the third would be activism yep. um, autonomism you could define as the, the first approach chronologically to television starting in the late 60s um, well earlier than that perhaps um, but really coming to fruition in the late 60s and um, early 70s, um, where artists try to define a relationship between art and television by putting, um, give, cl- sort of reclaiming a, a sense of autonomy from television so, so that the power of television wouldn't be dominating art. Yes. So you could have... Um, an exhibition in a gallery of television monitors that are shown to be physical objects that are tangible and therefore we know how to deal with them because they're tangible physical things and they're not this ethereal dominating ideology surrounding us but we've reduced it down to something that you can knock over and destroy a, you know a big famous one example of that would be um the, a video by Ant Farm in the 70s in which they drove a car through a big pile of televisions. Um, but there's lots of different variations of that installation of, of television monitors. Um, would, would they have something on the screen, which, which would be part of the art? I mean, would they have made a programme, or would it be television running with the programmes as in picked up in your home? Yeah, well, some of them did. I mean, there was a big installation by Tony Hill, um, I think, think in the serpentine in the 70s as well of a big bank of television monitors that showed lots of different um programs live um and that's kind of like overlay yeah but, that, but that's not uh programs ma- made explicitly um to to be put on those screens but there were obviously plenty of examples of that yeah um but there was also lots of attempts to put um, art on television that also try to retain a sense of autonomy um, where you also try and highlight the physical properties of television um, all of these methods within most of these methods within autonomy I think are autonomism you usually try and um, define television and, and, and show its physical properties in order to sort of say that that's something that we can conquer and I think that's um, that's a big part of it, but the main part of it is to say that art is separate to that, right. that it's not dominated by right. that. So it's not like, it's not trying to make artists come into TV and change TV, it's just to say we're not TV, yeah. but we're, we know about TV, yeah. and we're doing our own TV yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. So classic examples of that is like Tony Hill's yeah. um, TV interruptions from 1971, which were broadcast in Scotland um, as part of the Edinburgh Festival. Um I think they're broadcast nationally, 
uh, as well. Um, and they were completely unannounced. And they're really beautiful films. They're filmed on 16mm film, um, which is good enough quality then to, to broadcast. Um, and in the films you would see, for instance, a tap, and the tap would start running, and all you would be seeing is a tap, and then slowly th your screen, your television would appear to fill with water, um, or you'd have a TV screen um, shown to be set alight in the middle of a field or something like that. This, and you can see Make, that. Actually making you can the see this, this oppositional between art or this sense of breaking through that yeah. television. Yeah, and also making the object, the, the TV itself, sculptural in a way, isn't it? I mean, the object is, I mean, the mm. object it filling up with water makes it yeah. not something you've lost into a fantasy through the screen into. Yeah, it yeah. becomes back into an object that's full of water. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the yeah. physicalisation of it, in yeah. a sense. But you, and you've got a second approach that after that, so that's your your um, or, autonomous one. And yeah. your parasit, your para, is it parasiticism? I can't say it. Um, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a parasite. <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say, uh, parasite. Okay, so that sounds like really quite derogatory, but I mean it much more in terms of the relationship between art and television um, and where the power balance lies. Which one's the parasite? Yeah, yeah. So with with autonomy, you have one separating itself from the other whilst claiming a, some, some um, area within that realm. And um, with... Uh, parasitism, it's much more about trying to utilise the power of television for art's own gain. Um, a lot of that is representational stuff. Um, but I think there was a lot of television... Uh, television in the, in the 1980s particularly started to accept a lot of artistic um, input and artists were given often about five minutes or, you know, even just a few seconds to show artworks on. Um, the the problem with that relationship was generally that you couldn't really subvert it in the traditional way of as used by the autonomists, um, and and so you were just continuously supporting whatever the ideology of that television station was. Um, there was no way of separating yourself from it. Um, or changing that so television. Because you're in it, yeah. partly, but, but presumably because they what was allowed on was edited or produced by the channel. I mean, you were allowed on, as it were. Yeah, it was scheduled in, so you'd have a programme, um, you know, like Video 1, 2, 3, I think, in 1984 or 5 in, on Channel 4, showed um, all these short clips and they, they'd be introduced as now we're going to see some art yes, and yeah. it was part of the schedule and people knew what they were seeing yeah. and after that it was off and then it was so not at all disrupted yeah, because yeah. it was it was pre-named yeah exactly so, so everyone was prepared yeah yeah i see so you know wonderful opportunity for artists and there was lots of really amazing stuff made in that um realm but in that category we might say but Essentially, it um, owes its power to that of television. So it's, it's hard to really uh, critique television or even change it using that model. Um, that model, I, I think, is quite broad as well because it goes right up to, to and incorporates a lot of um, artwork that was never shown on television. So works that 
are supposedly about television, but are shown in an art gallery. That, um, could, that could be screened on the television, perhaps, do you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And that were sort of critiques of news or something like that. And, uh, you know, there's... Uh, I can't think of any examples <laughs> at the moment, but there, there were quite a I few. Mean, there was one... Only I know a guy called Ian Ball, which... I- Ian Ball, yeah, yeah. Which, Was that the kind of... I mean, I, I rather like Ian's work, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He's a friend, but, yeah. but the fact is that he does appear like a news... In the sitting, like a newscaster, at a, at a desk, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I, which doesn't mean that that he... It was a newscaster. He wasn't playing a newscaster, but... I think that comes into it, although I think there's, um, like, Tamara Krikorian did a, a, a piece where it was a sort of self-portrait of her, but in the background you could see a, a, a um, news channel um, looping and, and things like that, and it was meant to be a critique of, of that news channel, although that is sort of preaching to the converted because most people in the art world sort of have that idea anyway, but it's it's an interesting work. Yeah, so we're talking about how it didn't have an effect... On ch- in, and changed didn't change television. Yeah, and its use. Okay, yeah. so then we have a third way, which which you categorise as that, that sounds activism. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> third way sounds. Yeah. No, no, just, <laughs> sorry, that was a small pair of words. Sounds very NU Labour, doesn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. So activism. I think there was a lot of uh, filmmakers who are activist filmmakers who wouldn't really consider themselves artists, and there's a lot of artists who were heavily politicised who wanted to make um, television programmes and they did they got to make it in in the late 70s and in the 80s television was influenced by activist and artistic output um, in the UK, in the USA and I don't know enough about um, continental European uh, video art but, um, you know, I, I know there was some lots of sympathetic and interesting stuff going on on cable television programmes, especially in the Netherlands. So, And, and, and they were trying to draw the viewers' attention to... I mean, what was their approach? How, how would you say their, prog- their programmes that they made differed from the programme that, that, the programmes that were on, which, which, which they replaced, hopefully, or slotted in amongst that were different as in their why was their programs say was what i'm really asking different say to what was done in the the, the second category of, of parasite <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, that's well, what I, that's what we're interesting to know i think i think one of the things we can talk about is um a it wasn't really necessarily framed as art and b durationally they were often you know programs of 30 minutes so 15 proper minutes 80 stuff. minutes yeah. that kind of stuff um, and they were they were considered as programs, you know, um, and, and they were influential kinds of programs um, that ranged across a huge spectrum, but um, generally from a leftist position. Um, and I think it's it's worthwhile before giving any examples of just mentioning Channel Four, um, which next year I guess will be. It was founded in 1982, so it'll be having its 30th celebration next year. Um, which was established um, following a load of Acts of Parliament, two Acts of Parliament, one primary one, that explicitly gave it a remit to encourage experimental forms on one hand and secondly to um, cater for diverse audiences, um, which it was sort of 
not catered for by other channels at the time, and there was only three channels at that time: was saying, BBC were, One, no, BBC Two, and the Independent Television. So, in fact, ITV. so Channel Four really was potentially a quarter of the viewing yeah. TV possible. Yeah. And then, if you put the arts part of the channel, yeah, I don't know what percentage the arts was of the Channel Four, but it, quite a high percentage, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's not all for um, brilliant reasons. Um, our, our programs were cheap and <laughs> you know you could get them on there but um there was a commercial channel actually was it not i mean it was oh it, in the it had f- adverts i think didn't yeah it? it had adverts but um it had a strange funding system there was some it, subsidy yeah, too yeah in its first decade it had um well until oh, i can't remember the date but late 80s or early 90s it had this funding system that allowed it some kind of independence from the advertising uh, demands. Um, so you mentioned Michael Custo, the channel's first commissioning editor for arts, wanting to challenge the public with a range of programmes that mix genres, which he argued would wrong foot people into illumination. Yeah, I like that quote. It's uh, a lovely Brechtian kind of phrase, isn't it? It's, yes. <laughs> and this is the sort of attitude that you know when you read the pamphlets and and. Um, the various papers that were produced in the long, long run-up to the launch of Channel 4 in, I think, November 1982, they they were very utopian about the possibilities of creating this democratic forum that would open up British society to the diversity that was already there, but to to widen this representation... Um, and allow these different voices. And in order to do so, Channel 4 was structured in such a way that um, the content of it came from lots and lots of different sources. It, it it was more like a publishing house, they say. That's that's the phrase they like to use in it. Publishing house rather than um, a traditional TV channel where they would commission different organisations to produce programmes for them. Part of their remit then was to set up or help establish workshop groups. Um, and th- these were huge, and all, all across the country there was lots and lots of little independent uh, production groups that some of them are still going. And, and, you know, and, and lo- they, they funded lots of different feminist groups. Um, and, for instance, the Black Audio Film Collective came out of that, They're one of the most famous um, workshop groups that we know about today um, and they produced a program that we tend to think of as an as an art film but it was actually broadcast on Channel 4 in the mid 80s um, and that's the Hansworth songs which is about uh, the riots uh, in the early 80s in Birmingham um, which is clearly giving a voice to people who are perhaps involved in in that was that the case I mean I mean what I mean it wasn't like a, an authorial voice Say the way the riots were reported on television recently. Yeah, I mean, I was quite interested in the idea that you mentioned that, and it's mm-hmm. a positive thing that, yeah. that the riots created a film, as it, a program, as it were. Yeah, which was positive <laughs> because yeah. it was made by people, yeah. not not the BBC looking down. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Does that have I got that? Would you say there was that kind of difference? 
There was. I mean, when you watch the television pr- reports of the, the recent riots, yes. yeah. <laughs> it was so reactionary about it. You, you know, it was, it was, there was no sympathy. You got some sympathy in, like, The Guardian, which came across as a sort of woolly leftist <laughs> kind of thing. But um, I mean, I think I think that um, the BBC Two News Night had a sh- program all about people. Yeah. They did interview some people from the riots recently, mm-hmm. but but it was like they were silhouetted faces, and it clearly wasn't made by those people. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. it was of those people. Yeah, and they and they weren't even people after them because you couldn't see their faces. Yeah, well. I don't think like John Akafar and the Black Audio Film Collective are necessarily involved in those rights, but no, no, they no, were part no. of and connected to communities that were involved. That's I what reckon. I meant. Yeah, um, yeah. So those are important things. Um, there was uh, other lots of other things like um, Stuart Marshall was a British um, video artist and one of the the lead um, exponents of video art in the UK in the 1970s and um, he shifted over to he, he made a, these sort of mock television programs which I would describe kind of to fit within the parasitic category in in the 70s um, mock news programs and things like that um, but by the 80s he was able to use Channel 4 um, to talk about an issue that concerned him, which was gay sexuality, uh, which you know had only recently been decriminalised, <laughs> so so he he got to make these really strange meta programs uh, about AIDS and gay sexuality and the reception of um, AIDS within the media, and it, it's sort of a crit- critique of television. On television, gotcha. Uh, which yeah. you know is kind of a, a rare occurrence. Um, so you know it's a bit like Goddard doing a critique of film within film, uh, but done on done on television in this case. So that I mean his his film what was it called uh, Bright Eyes, which was 1984, I think. Um, as far as I can tell, that was the first ever broadcast program about the AIDS crisis um, and the media I, I, I can't actually confirm that but I've sure. done a bit of research yeah, yeah. As, as far as I can tell and about the media hysteria like you say yeah yeah, yeah. and you mentioned Isaac Julian I mean his films were different what less less would you say more artful or I mean art not so much a documentary say or a critic of television I, what, what do you know what he did um, oh, what's the names of his... Looking for Langston, things like that. Um, yeah, he... His films are sort of poetic essays in the similar vein to Black Audio Film Collective. Right. Um, he was also part of a collective in the 80s producing uh, works, I think it was Retake or something like that. Yeah. And the M- Miners' uh, Campaign Tapes was another... Oh, yeah, that's... Um, thing on that's Channel another film. interesting one. Well, they didn't actually show the Miners... Uh, campaign tapes in full um, all I know about what they showed of that is that they showed or what I've read um, is that they showed footage of it on the news reports on Channel 4 but these were made by people documenting the miners strikes in the mid 80s going out there filming it and showing stuff that the other channels weren't showing and putting it out there. And artists are involved with that. 
you know, so it's not just some completely politicised thing. It's it, it is involving some kind of aesthetic experimentation, uh, things like that. So, but but also presumably the, the thing I get is that there's a, the, the, it's other, it's the voice of non-broadcasters. Yeah, you know, not professional. TV film crews mm-hmm. and people speaking to their camera, you know, with a director behind saying, right, Mrs Smith, will you speak now? It's, it's more people who are out there amongst the community or with a different take. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the approach is different. It's, I mean, technically, they're, they're filming, aren't they? I mean, it's, it's similar, but somehow it is... And it's much broader, the whole feel of, the, say, the news would have been because of that yeah. varied source of... I camera think, work. Yeah, I think one of the things that the one of the big ideas that went into Channel Four and um, early participatory television, and this went as well into cable or community access television, was the idea that people could just turn up, make their own program, or contribute to a program in any way. So it was the idea of participation. Um, before that, we can sort of think of the very austere British newscaster speaking in his very English blah, blah, blah. after that after the mid 80s you begin to have this participation um, and this allows I think for a lot of representation of different groups of people you get a, um, a, a much better representation of uh, people from different ethnic backgrounds and sexualities um, and political viewpoints the the bad point about it is after 30 years of participation in television we've ended up with big brother and you know all the other follows on from big brother um, I mean, I have to say, the only way is Essex. All, all if I look time. at Channel Four now, I mean, it's it's completely not <laughs> what you've described. Yeah. I mean, why did that happen? I mean, do, do you know? I mean, what, where did the where did the did the support that they got funding just be taken away from them? So they had to go somehow more commercial to get the fewer figures up or something. Yeah, funding changed. Um, a lot of the support for the workshop groups fell away um but that, that is BFI, to do with money though the, yeah it? the bfi was also heavily involved with supporting these workshop groups and they had funding taken away in the 90s yeah but still quite um, a big organization now though it's not as if the bfi's gone no no I mean, it, isn't, no, it's, it's yeah. like, it can't just be money it has to be sounds like a different approach as well perhaps is that from coming from the artist taking a different like thinking oh it's not even though it did sound good it went well it's not good enough or do you know what, what, why we're not there now, as it were? Um, yeah. I think there is a sense of failure, anyway, in artists' approach to television. The, the sense that they can't really change it. You know, Whatever you do, television always wins. And I think that's something that we've we got to change because it has been like that in the past and it was done by people actively trying to do it. Exactly. You yeah, know. yeah. Uh, so but you mentioned the internet and, and the kind of broadening out of of, of where so-called broadcasting can occur now. So yeah. that that plurality of places. Mm-hmm. So you've got your YouTubes, you've got your podcast radio yeah. programs like this one, yeah, yeah. your podcast televisions and, and websites. And all. Do, do you think that's also that plurality of possibility of where it can be done? Has, has that taken away the decentralized? The energy's like being filtered away too much. Do you think that might? 
I mean, you know, it's, there's, there was only one place to do it before. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, you can't go back, and I don't want to sound too utopian about no, Channel no. Four, which um, you know did make a lot of pretty crap programs. And you look at, you know, when you the first two years of Channel Four, I've seen a load of programs, and they're just there's really shonky production on them. Yeah. So, but in terms of um, like this broadening out of media, um, the idea that somehow. Uh, the internet has taken over I think it's false because most people still watch a lot of telly um, a lot of people in the arts don't yeah I think there's a lot of passive you know, viewing still occurs you know, without question yeah but I still I mean I, I I have to admit I don't have a telly but I still watch a lot of telly through the internet yeah you know yeah. I watch BBC iPlayer and Channel 4 and yeah. the internet and that kind of stuff. I mean, so, but it's all, and you're not out there. I mean, a lot of people aren't out there making programs or being asked to make programs. Yeah, or, well, I mean, I is that what you? I think there's still a lot of people making really interesting, artistic, experimental films that could be shown on television. Um, recently, Petra Bauer made some uh, really an in, really interesting uh, program a, about the uh, Southwark black women's what's it called uh, yeah anyway that was shown at the showroom recently right but, but uh, could easily just be moved on to channel four yeah but the question is is an art gallery the right forum for this kind of a program yeah. which is essentially a social phenomenon and it should be shown to a wide audience as possible yeah. I think. and there isn't and what you're saying is there isn't really anywhere else possibly youtube amongst many millions of yeah. other things yeah. it's not really being seen yeah, is yeah. It? listen colin we, we've We've got about halfway through your feature, I think. There's plenty more to go on it. We've run out of time, however, okay. though. So what I would suggest to listeners to do is do purchase a copy of Art Monthly. The current issue, as I say, this is in December, January 2011, number 352. And if you wish to subscribe, you get all the issues a lot cheaper. You get 30% off the price of the cover. Um, just email subs at artmonthly.co.uk. And as I say, you get a 30% discount. Just say you were listening to Art Monthly talk show on Resonance 104.4 FM. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Colin Perry. Thank you. Goodbye.